I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Grand Final Week on the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We've got the Gurus picking the Melbourne Storm, taking on the 17 in a row, the high-flying Penrith Panthers. It's going to be a massive week on the podcast. This is the only podcast you need this week. We are going to have content falling out of our ass. Stay tuned. It's going to be a massive one. Let's kick it off. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today we're lucky to have Chad Townsend, the Cronulla Sharks, and the 2006 Premiership winning halfback join us today to talk about his experiences from the 2016 Grand Finals and all the moments leading up to it. And of course, he gives his predictions for this Sunday. He's got some great insights into the game, Chad Townsend. He's a guy that I've got a lot of time for and I really appreciate his footy brain. Uh, The insights he gives into this game are sensational. And, you know, the guys that he would target in the Melbourne Storm team that he thinks the Penrith Panthers have to go at. It won't shock you, but the little insight he gives, I thoroughly enjoyed it. He's a champion bloke with, you know, he's, he's on two podcasts himself. He's got his own uh, Talk of the Town podcast. I highly advise you get around that. Sean Johnson was on the other day. A great listen there. And then he's got his other podcast he does with Jamie Soward, who was on the other day, Moving the Chains in an NFL podcast. I highly advise you get around both of them. He's a champion bloke with a great story to tell. Some great insights for the grand final on Sunday. Let's kick it off. Chad, welcome on. How are we, mate? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having us. It's been one hell of a week over there. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been very good. Obviously, out of the bubble now. Uh, my wife and I just announced that we're expecting our third child, so uh, a lot happening. But um, you know, life's good at the moment, mate. Obviously, grand final week, and of course, you know, you'll always be remembered as the Cronulla Sharks junior that went on to be the halfback to win the first premiership. And I'm sure there'll be sevens to win comps in the future for Cronulla. But you know, you'll always be the first, mate. Pretty special. Look, definitely uh, something that will live with me for the rest of my life. To be honest, it's definitely you know the highlight of my of my NRL career so far, and um, you know great memories for myself and, and my teammates. 
Mate, I'll just take you back a few years before that. Um, I, I believe it was around the 2013 mark, and you find out you have to leave the Sharks. Like, is that something you ever imagined happening to Chad Townsend? Uh, probably when I was younger, no. But uh, that, that point where I was at in my career in 2013, like, I wanted to leave, and I made the choice to leave and basically just told my agent uh, that he was not to negotiate with Cronulla and to negotiate with with other teams so uh, I was actually out of the Panthers and the Warriors so I, I went and had a Chinese lunch with Phil Gould uh, at the time and and also met with Matt Elliott who was coach at the Warriors at the time and for me it was just about uh, you know growing and wanting to further my NRL career and I felt felt like at that stage I needed needed to do it elsewhere and, and I wanted to really step outside of my comfort zone and, and the Warriors really fit that bill and that was basically why I chose to, to sign with the Warriors. Mate, you land over there with a pretty handy halves partner. Yeah, look, I was, um, you know, very, very fortunate to, to go into that team and, and play with one an absolute superstar of the game in, in Sean Johnson and, and play two years of, of consistent NRL. You know, that 2013 season we just spoke about, I was in and out and um, actually remember getting a man of the match in an NRL game in 2013 and then I was not in the team the following week. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, I need to, I need to move on. And, and then, yeah, moved over to the Warriors, played with Sean, played with other guys as well. Like, you know, Manu Vatavai, Simon Mannering, Sam Rapira, Jerome Ropati, like guys of very influential stature. And, and, you know, I really treasure that time over there at the Warriors. Mate, while you were playing over the Warriors, once again, did you ever think a return to the Sharks would ever come about? Uh, look, I, I never said never. Like, obviously, you know, it's in the back of your mind. And in professional sport, it's like, you know, you've, you've got to be prepared for anything. Like, at the end of the day, you know, opportunities come and go. And and if, you know, I could come back and play for the Sharks, that'd be great. If I never played for the Sharks again, then, you know, that'd be great as well. As long as I'm putting my best foot forward and as long as I'm giving my career everything I can and, and have the same work ethic and drive. I know or I knew that I would be successful if, if I had that in me. So, um, yeah, so it's a funny story, actually. When I decided to sign back with the Sharks, I um, we, were playing, we were playing against the Sharks in 2015 and obviously flew over to Australia. And then I actually went and met with Flano with my agent the night before we were playing the Sharks. And Flano was like, basically, mate, we, you know, we want you back. Yeah, we want you and James Maloney to be our halves next year. And that to me was, you know, uh, really exciting for me. Jimmy had obviously played Origin and, and won a con previously with, with the Roosters and uh, obviously the shark success they had in 2015 uh, so far was, you know, really fruitful. And also the fact that uh, my wife and I, you know, wanted to move back to Sydney for personal reasons. My wife's uh, mother was really sick and she's since passed away. But to get back and be with her and, and spend some more time around family was the main driver. Mate, do you remember that preseason when you did arrive back? You know, did it have something special about it? It did, to be honest. I just remember looking at our squad and was, again, one of the main reasons why I signed. And it, just the leadership within our squad, like the, the senior players, like we had uh, Michael Ennis, you know, Luke Lewis, Paul Gallen, Chris Heinington, Sam Tagatese. Uh, we had a lot of guys that had played in grand finals, origins, guys that had played 300 games, like absolute party out veterans. Our forward pack was one of the, sorry, the best forward pack I've ever played with. And then our outside backs were really young and really fast and just wanted to score tries like Val, Fecky, Birdie, Ricky Latelli, 
Gerard Beal. These guys were hungry to score tries. And then we had Ben Barber at the back who was, you know, would ice any opportunity that he ever got. And that, to me, in preseason, I saw all that coming to fruition when we were putting in the hard work. But, you know, it was, it was an exciting time. Obviously, being a Cronulla junior, and I'm sure you would have grown up, you know, your entire childhood, obviously the Sharks not winning a premiership. And fuck, I'm not a Sharks fan, but I know everyone reminds you of you guys of it every second when I was growing up. You know, it must have been one hell of a moment for you. Yeah, oh, definitely. It was, you know, it brought tears to my eyes. And um, I think just the fact that, you know, the Sharks, our club, you know, we're not we're not known as, I guess, you know, a successful club. Like, you know, you, you look at like the Roosters or the Storm who are always there or thereabouts. But, you know, prior to the 2015 season and probably the 2015 till now, like we've made the semis six years in a row. Like this has been the most successful era in Cronulla Sharks history. And, you know, I'm proud to say that I've played a part in that. But I think that's why our fans... Our players, like, you know, we've got the one premiership, but that one premiership was the first, and it means a hell of a lot to not only the players, the coaches, but our whole fan base and the whole shot. Mate, obviously one similarity to the 2020 Penrith Panthers is that you've both got on these massive winning streaks. Now, obviously the Penrith Panthers, they're continuing their streak into the grand final. You guys didn't continue your streak into the grand final, but when you're at the peak of that streak, like, did you, you know, the, the old cliche, you, you you can't go in with a streak, you need to lose a game to improve from it. Where do you sit on all that? Yeah, look, it's, it's a funny one. I think, you know, obviously there's two ways to it. Some people say you're yeah, due for a loss and, and whatnot. But for us, you know, in 2016, we, we were guaranteed a top four position and that's what we were aiming for. And Melbourne actually had a really good, you know, uh, season as well. Like we were neck and neck and we played that, last round 26 for the minor premiership and they touched us up. So we end up dropping back to third behind Canberra. But um, look, I think there's arguments for both sides. Some say you're due for a loss, which can really wake you up. And then other, the other side to it is, you know, why, why do you need to lose? You know, you're playing really good football. So just keep doing what you're doing. What did that uh, touch up in the last round of the season do for you guys? It motivated the hell out of us. And that was one thing that especially Michael Ennis really spoke about after the game. You know, we spoke about the fact that the minor premiership was never something, while it would have been nice, it wasn't really our focal point. It was Our focal point was on, you know, playing finals football and winning, winning the comp and, and the premiership. And then, you know, guys that had, you know, played plenty of finals football before were saying that the finals, it's a, it's a whole different game. And it is. It, it's a whole different game. What, what's happened throughout the year, it doesn't matter in the finals. And, and that was, you know, one of the main driving points of the senior players. Mate, obviously the next week you guys get a win against the Canberra Raiders. But for you, and it's sort of the season that, you know, when people think of Chad Townsend in 2016, you know, they only remember the fairy tale story of it. But that was a pretty tough night at the office for you. Yeah, it was. Look, um, you know, looking back on it, I'm actually so grateful that it happened and I wouldn't change it for the world, to be honest. Um, you know, I just remember the game was it was obviously a very loud crowd and, and um, you know, the, the talk and the combination between Louis and I was, was excellent all year. Like, we were – he's the best back row I've ever played with him and I had such a good combination with him. But that night, something just wasn't clicking and – you know, we were, we were down, our, our combination was, wasn't was working. And I got taken off about 60, 60th minute. And obviously I was I was really filthy. 
I was really, really, really filthy. I wanted to stay on. I wanted to be on there for the team. And then, uh, you know, we went on and we had a really good win. And, and I was I was stoked, but I was like, you know, obviously not stoked at the same time. And then I sat, um, I went home with my wife and my, my manager rang me and um, he's like, how are you feeling? I was like, oh, yeah, look, I'm all right. I'm all right. He's like, this is what I want you to do tomorrow. I want you to get up nice and early going to Flano's office and I was like yep and I want you to look him dead in the eye and I want you to say this that'll never happen ever again and that's what I did so I went into Flano's office and I said mate um, I understand you know what happened last night but I can guarantee you like that's never ever going to happen again looked him dead in the eyes and I truly believe that and it was you know he had his reasons for what he thought was his decision and I had my reasons for what I thought was, was my decision. But at the end of the day, look, we hashed it out. He said to me, you know, you're our guy, you're our halfback. You've been our halfback all year and you'll be our halfback in two weeks. So the hardest thing was actually probably because we had the week off, like after you play a bad game, all you want to do is play another game. So um, I, that two weeks, I basically, you know, got off my phone, didn't read any newspapers, didn't watch the news, didn't do anything. All I wanted to do was play a really good game against the Cowboys and, you know, I did that. So that's something I was, I was very proud of. Mate, you knock over the Cowboys the week after you just mentioned and then you come into a grand final against the Melbourne Storm and, fuck, is there any more daunting task or what? Uh, look, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, one thing with Melbourne is that they've built this culture where Melbourne don't beat themselves. They've got the best coach in history. Uh, they've got the best game plans in history. And the games really go down to the wire. And that's what the 2016 game was. It was a game built on high completions and end-to-end grinding footy. And we knew how to play that style of game. We'd done it all year. We, we knew how to pin teams in their corner. We had guys who bought into what we were about. And we didn't really want to think about too much of what the storm would do to us. We wanted to really think about what we could do to the storm and how we could make them suffer and how we could take the game to them. And, and led by our forward pack, you know, uh, Luke Lewis, who won the Clive Churchill medal, you know, Matt Pryor and Andrew Fafita, who won our joint player of the year. And I think, you know, when you've got your two starting front rowers winning your player of the year, to me, that's a really good sign of, of a good football team who's moving forward and dominating the opposition. Speaking of your front rower, Andrew Fafita, mate, obviously that try, Fuck, there's never going to be a bigger try in Cronulla history. Do you remember the, the emotion surrounding that moment? I do. I um, I remember the play call and I remember being in position. I was sort of out the back of, of, of Fafita. But, you know, one thing I, I learned from playing with Michael Ennis was... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. He demanded his forwards to run hard. And he said, if you don't run hard, I won't pass you the ball. And him, Mickey, and a few other players, you know, like Louis and Andrew Fafita, they had built these little combinations throughout the year where, you know, Mickey would play short and 
I remember being out the back and being in position and I, I thought we, we could have actually scored if he passed it out the back. But um, I remember looking at Mick's face and he gave like Fafita like the look and Fafita, I just saw him winding up, you know, he was, would have been 15 metres off the try line. And when Mickey played short, he carried six guys over the line. I've never seen anything like it. He's one of the biggest, strongest, most powerful guys I've ever seen. And that effort will, will live with me and my teammates and a lot of people forever, mate. He'll, he'll go down as, you know, one of the greatest front rowers to, to have played the game, you know, because of his career and also, you know, that play. Mate, I was out there at that game and, and for me, there was on the last play, it was a moment that sums up the Cronulla Sharks for me. And with all due respect to you, like, fuck, you like to make things hard on yourselves. And <laughs> I just remember, you know, Melbourne spread left, they went right, then they came back left. And there was a moment where, Mate, you could have thrown a blanket over all 13 of the Cronulla Sharks, essentially on the right-hand side of the post, and then you made the tackle to win the game on the left-hand side. Just desperation built on desperation. Incredible. Yeah, look, that, and that was something that our coaching staff had ingrained in us all year. We had an incredible coaching staff led by Flano. You know, Steve Price was our assistant coach. But we used to do this drill where, you know, the, the second team would have a team of 13 and our starting team, we were only allowed to have 10 players in our team and we would be in defense. So obviously they've got a three-person overlap. So what do we have to do? We have to you know, scramble. We have to move side to side. We have to you know, cover for each other. And we did that drill like every single session. It was ingrained in us. And I just remember hearing guys yelling out, don't stop moving, don't stop moving, don't, because it's, it's effort. You know, if, if you want to stop, you can, you can stop, but if you want to keep moving and you saw that at the 80th minute when the game was on the line, you know, guys who had absolutely busted their asses all game, they're sprinting from sideline to sideline to, to make those tackles. And, and that to me was a real clear sign of what it meant to us that year and, and what it meant to our team to, to win that game. So, you know, it still gives me goosebumps. I haven't, I haven't actually watched the whole game back. I've oh, you're watched, kidding. I've only watched that last minute. So um, I don't know. It's just something that's, just, I don't know if it's too hard to watch because it's just so nerve-wracking. I've watched that last minute, but that, that's it. <laughs> Mate, that drill sounds like the most Cronulla thing of all time, just quietly. <laughs> Make life as hard as possible and deal with it. Sensation. <laughs> Mate, tell me about when the siren goes. Uh, obviously, the emotions, I imagine they're just sky high for yourself and the rest of the team. Yeah, look, uh, you know, you look around, there's a grown man, you know, shedding his hair, laying on the ground and... Um, I think for me, you know, what I was thinking at that time was just basically everything that had brought me to that point in my life. And, you know, I've been playing rugby league since I was five years old and this game had meant so much to me. I put so much time and effort into it. And, and to that, at that moment, it was like, geez, everything I've ever done in my whole life and my whole career was worth it for that point. Um, I was just so happy, you know, like I said, there was grown men who were shedding tears. We'd, we'd been through so much, you know, together, our, our club had been through so much adversity. Our, fan, our fans had never felt that feeling of what it's like to win a comp and we hadn't as players as well. So, um, look, the celebrations went all week. Uh, you know, we got looked after everywhere we went. We had a great time. Boys, you know, got the premiership tattoos. Obviously, we got our rings. Uh, mate, it was an outstanding celebration for sure. What's your, uh, your favourite memory from those celebrations? I think probably, 
one straight after actually was um you know we're sitting on the stage and uh, this is a funny story actually we're sitting on the stage and obviously you know we all get our premiership rings and and Gal comes on the stage last obviously because he he's the captain and gets the trophy and, and you know you get presented your ring and then you go and sit down on the steps and, and wait for Gal and anyway our rings all have our numbers on it and then in the game uh, Sam Tagatizi was number 16 and Jason Bakuya was number 17. Anyway, Sam Tagatizi and Boogie are sitting there. I turn around and everyone's smiling. And then Sam Tagatizi looks to Boogie and sees that he's got number 17 on his ring. He says, oh, Oos, you got next year's ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's something I'll never forget. But, you know, like we, we went crowd surfing at Northies. That was probably, you know, that was led by Jimmy Maloney, which was probably. Oh, shock me. Yeah, one of my favorite memories. Uh, you know, boys doing shoeys, just just interacting and, and having having the time of our lives. Karaoke. I remember seeing Mick Ennis on the stage, you know, singing karaoke, letting his hair down, like just things that just don't happen very often. Mate, one guy you did mention then was James Maloney. Uh, what sort of an influence has he had on your career and, you know, on that team in 2016? Yeah, look, massive. You know, Jimmy's obviously, uh, you know, world-class talent. He's had a tremendous career and, I still keep in contact with him now, but but that season he really took me under his wing and really was clear about you know what I needed to do, what my role was within within the team. And look, our, our strengths and our weaknesses were very different. Jimmy and I. Jimmy had that little bit of X factor about him where you know he could run the ball, he could break tackles, he had a tremendous kicking game. You know he would ice field goals from anywhere. And and for me, my role was about you know organizing the team calling the plays getting people in position and jimmy made me accountable for, for that role and you know it's helped me to to mold into you know the the senior nrl player that i am today mate it was funny for a while there it just seemed everywhere jimmy went you know they were lifting a trophy within two years and then he left penrith last year and it was the first time they hadn't lifted a trophy and all of a sudden he walks out the door after you know taking care of cleary and luai and these fellas and now they're the two best halves pairing in the comp just it's just another credit to him isn't it yeah look definitely he uh he leads by example and he's never been the best trainer or he's never been uh, you know, the, the strongest player in the gym. But come game time, when he walks across that line, you know what you're going to get with Jimmy. And, you know, I've got no doubt that those two young halves in Cleary and, and Luai who are going to play the grand final this weekend would have watched him closely over the last, you know, two, three years and seen what he's been able to do in games. And, um, you know, it, he's left a tremendous legacy in the NRL. Mate, you've played both these sides. You've probably watched plenty of them this year. How do you see this grand final unfolding? I see it being an absolute cracker, to be honest. I think the two best teams are playing uh, on grand final day, which is always, you know, what you want to see. Um, I think the Panthers, it's, it, it really is uh, going to be hard to go past the Panthers. But for me, I'm on the storm this weekend and it's been a very hard call for me to make that. But I just feel like their coach is the best coach in the world. They've got Cameron Smith, the best player in the world. And, you know, I've seen these teams on the field this year and how Cameron Smith plays, he's like an extra coach. Like he's the coach on the field. And that's why, you know, guys like Munster and Jerome Hughes have been able to have the seasons they have because of the influence of Smith. Now, if, if the Storm get a penalty, like you watch Smith just stand there, hold the ball and he'll bark orders and he'll make his teammates accountable for the game plan. And where does the game plan come from? It comes from 
the best coach of all time. So, you know, I heard Billy Slater talk early in the week that he's had conversations with Ryan Pappenhausen about opposition teams and how to pull them apart. So, you know, these guys are very smart minds. And one thing I have noticed from the Storm in grand finals in the past is they always come up with plays, trick plays to pull apart the opposition defence by ways that they defend. And one that comes to mind was early, I think maybe in 2012, Storm versus Bulldogs. Because the Bulldogs defended this certain way, the Storm came up with a play where Kronk would play short to, to Slater coming through the inside, and they scored. So, Is that the best who, ball of all time or what? It's an absolute pearl. Yeah, one of the best. It looks plays long and just brings Slater off his hip. And look for something like that this weekend. Look, there's... There's going to be something up the Melbourne Storm sleeve, and I think this game's going to go down to the wire. But you know, it's hard to get, it's hard to count out you know Cleary and the Panthers. I think you know someone like Isaiah who was outstanding on the weekend, and I thought he basically won the Panthers the game. Um, and they've got X Factor across the park. They've got Kickow on the edge. Uh, you know, it, it's and, and also Young Crichton on the other edge. So, mate, it's it's, it's going to be a hard one, but I'm I'm going to pick the Storm. Who's your uh, who's your tip for the Clive Churchill medal? Go little puppy. Yeah. Look, I think yeah, you know, again, someone who's had a, a tremendous year. His support play is second to none. It looks like he's got Billy Slater's fingerprints all over his game. I really feel like he's molded into something, you know, that potentially the storm didn't didn't know what they had, but now it's like, well, Brian Pappenhausen will probably play the rest of his career at Melbourne because good players you know, generally they don't leave Melbourne. Like, um, they keep on to what they want. And, and this guy's had another tremendous year. And I think if if he can be sniffing around that ball, and this game's going to be quick. Grand finals are the biggest games. They're quick, they're fast, the ruck speed. Throw in the six again. You know, I think this game is going to be built for small guys like Pappenhausen. And even throw in someone like, you know, Dylan Edwards as well. Like, these guys, the fullbacks need to be everywhere. Mate, you did it in 2016, defeating Melbourne. If you were coming up against them this weekend, what would be your game plan? How would you take them on? Game plan would be to target Cameron Smith. I'd be sending, uh, I'd be sending James Tamiao. I'd be sending Fisher Harris. I'd be sending uh, Zayo all at Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith needs to make at least 25 tackles at halftime and over 50 tackles at full time. If you can take the juice out of Cameron Smith and really. Uh, make him work and really nullify his attacking game. I feel like that takes a, a little bit out of the storm. You know, they don't have that guy who's you know been able to be fresh and and you know he he'll probably start getting into the refs and, and talking back and that's when you know that you've got him a little bit rattled. So for me, I feel like you need to take uh, take Smith on and then you know that's going to create some ruck speed for for someone else on the other side like like Happy Coruscant to to get out and run the ball. You're just picking on the old fellow, brother. <laughs> Mate, he's, he is the goat, so you've got to pick on someone. <laughs> Mate, it's crazy to think, you know, if you said that to me and it was a 27-year-old, I'd say, yeah, that's going to take the gas out of him. For him to be 37, and that's what you have to do to slow him down, just unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, look, he, and that's why he's you know played as long as he has. He's the best He's the best to do it. He plays 80 minutes every week in probably one of the hardest positions on the field. And if you watch him closely, like, you, you know, you might not see it on the TV, on the telecast because of, you know, the camera angle is quite close, but just how he conserves energy and how he doesn't waste one bit of energy, like he, he, where he defends, how he gets back into position when the Storm receive a kick. So um, he's got all the little tricks. And even, you know, I've spoken to, to Blake Braley, our hooker, about, you know, watching him and 
and copying him and how can he conserve energy and how what can he do to you know to follow him because you know he, he's you know, left a, a, a tremendous legacy in the NRL. Mate, it must be hard for these young guys like Blake Braley when people say, "I'll oh, watch what Cameron Smith does," and it just. He looks like he's never out of first gear. Nothing ever looks challenging for him. Like it must be hard for these young hookers. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Look, it's it's hard, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I feel like if you can take a little bit, you know, here and there from everywhere. Like if you can watch plays, and, and you want, at the end of the day, you want to be your own player. You want to have your own personality. You want to do your own things, but. If you can watch someone else and take, you know, one bit from this person's game, one bit from this person's game, or, or copy what this person does and, and and mold it into your own game, like I feel like that's a good recipe. Mate, have you got any plans for the off seasons for your podcast? What's doing, mate? Uh, a, a little bit actually. I had Sean Johnson on two weeks ago. I actually had Ronaldo Mulatalo on today. Uh, plan is just to try and get one done a week. Something I really enjoy in my spare time is obviously you know chatting footy and chatting to my teammates and other people you know, of influence and of interest and it's something I'll probably, you know, do a lot more of once I've finished playing football. But I think, you know, now while I've still, um, you know, I've got time and, and, and things like that, it's something that I really enjoy. I've had really good feedback from a lot of people who love listening. So I think, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm just a fan of the game as well. I love it just as much as anyone else. So, you know, why not talk about it a bit more? 100% mate I'm hearing you Chad mate thanks for your time I really appreciate it and uh, all the best next season with the Sharkies mate thanks Nathan appreciate it ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. Hello Fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 